This Guardian Family podcast is sponsored by Jump, the savings fund for children. To find out more, visit jumpsavings.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Sawyer and welcome to another month of confrontation, compromise and car sickness. Yes, we mop it all up and douse the atmosphere in air freshener in this month's Guardian Family podcast. In the show... As Chelsea Clinton counts down the days to her nuptials with a man who's not Methodist nor Southern Baptist like her parents, but Jewish, we look at the challenges of a mixed-faith marriage. If my wife is Jewish, my children are also, and I'm not, I'd worry that it would cause some sort of segregation in the family. I would just have to keep completely quiet. And complete quiet is never an option in a car on yet another long, hot journey to your summer holiday destination. Just how do you keep the kids from going mad with boredom and driving you mad with their madness? There have been occasions when they have been hitting each other in the back seat and we've had to sort of stop the car and suggest that they both get out. (laughs) And actor and comedian Angie Lamar talks tough love, strong mums and gospel music in her family playlist. This is the family podcast from The Guardian. And joining me in the pod this month are writer and columnist Yasmin Alibi-Brown, author of The Settler's Cookbook, a memoir, and The Observer's motoring editor, Martin Love. Hello. 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 Cosy are we? We are very. chilly actually in here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do our exercises later. We can do a big dance number. That'll keep us going. So um, let's talk car journeys first. Martin, don't you ever want to ditch the car and just go on holiday on horseback or something? Horseback or, yeah, cycling. Um, I th- yes, I mean there is a lot to be said for that, and they're kind of a you know they're a victim of their own success, aren't they? Um, but there's something exciting about packing up the car, loading it up, putting all the things you think are going to be useful for your journey, which you will never then use, and um, heading off to some distant corner of Wales. <laughs> He's a brave man, he's a brave man, and Yasmin's shaking her head. So you don't do I that. I hate the, the very thought of that. <laughs> oh, God, on a plane, get me mm. away from here. And what holidays are you going on this year, Yasmin? Are you staying, at, you're never leaving now, you're just not doing anything? Oh, no, I am, and we're going to Cuba. Oh, well, there's no, yes. If you drove there by car, that'll take <laughs> that you quite a while. That would take me quite a lot. No, I can't do car-based holidays. Oh, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I must admit, camping I is hard. Um, I'm really sorry, I'm into non-green, high-life holidays. (laughs) That's fantastic. We're all coming. Chelsea Clinton, brought up a Christian, is about to tie the knot with her Jewish partner, Mark Meslinski. But what problems lie ahead for a mixed-faith marriage? What's the reality of spending your life with someone brought up with an entirely different set of traditions, rituals and beliefs? And when children come along, is compromise possible when their two parents have such different outlooks? We spoke to two mixed-faith couples. Everyone involved experienced these differences and conflicts firsthand, and all have used different names to their real ones. My name is Anna. I'm 21 years old. I've been with my boyfriend, Kayvon, for about three years. Um, I was born in Los Angeles to two Jewish parents, I went to synagogue twice a week, sometimes more. I was bat mitzvahed. I celebrated all the Jewish holidays at home. Um, my parents gave me a really wonderful Jewish upbringing, and it was, it's very deeply ingrained in me. Hello, my name's Kayvon. I'm 26 years old. Um, I was born and brought up in Scotland. Uh, my father's from Iran. My mother's from Edinburgh. And faith-wise, my, I was baptised. My mother 
was also baptised and she belongs in some way to the Protestant faith. My father lies somewhere between Islam and Zoroastrianism. My father never imposed any sort of religion on me. He was quite happy for, for me to go to Sunday school when I was a kid. But at the same time, he would invite me along to the mosque and he quite happily would tell me certain stories from the Quran. So we don't have children yet, probably not for many more years, but we do talk about raising children together. I would like to see my children as Jewish, just to carry on, you know, what my ancestors have been doing for thousands of years. I just don't want, I don't want that to end with me. I know that you want to bring your, your children up to be, to be Jewish kids. Um, and I would completely embrace that, but I think problems would arise. If a Jewish person marries someone outside the faith, then quite often the other person will convert. Am I right in saying that? That's something that I'd never do, because it would be lying to well, my family and also to myself. So my problem would be, if my wife is Jewish, my children are also, and I'm not, I'd worry that it would cause some sort of segregation in the family. And if I had to support them in their beliefs without lying to them, I would just have to keep completely quiet. I'm 100% certain that there's a way around it. Um, and again, it goes back to making compromises, possibly making sacrifices to just finding a way for it to work. brought up as a Catholic and I had quite a kind of strict upbringing. I went to a Catholic boarding school which I loathed and left when I was 14 and then when I had children I had a kind of change of heart really and sort of rediscovered my Catholicism and wanted to bring them up with some faith. On religion I just it just it's just something that doesn't really affect me at all actually I don't really have any views either way really I'm not sure whether I believe or not. It creates resentment the fact that um, John doesn't go to church uh, at all and we try and encourage the, the kids to attend regularly they see that as an excuse for them not to not to go. I think there have been some problems actually and there have been some tensions over uh, decisions we've made um, and how to include our families. For example, when Hannah, my daughter, made her first Holy Communion, we decided just to invite my family who were Catholics and um, that created conflict actually, it created quite a lot of conflict between both myself and John and also some bad feeling within his own family. When Hannah did her first communion, then, yes, we didn't invite my parents or any of my family, actually. And um, I think, in retrospect, it was a little bit of a mistake. Then again, you know, they're, that, they're not that keen on Catholic and the Catholic way of life, so we didn't think it was appropriate for them to come. There was a little bit of anger from their side. Or a little bit. There was loads, actually, and they were furious. <laughs> Jasmine, you've written about this uh, mixed faith marriages extensively and you've experienced it yourself. Do those stories feel familiar? Yes, but I thought the most interesting comment, I think, was the, the um, husband of the Jewish woman. Hmm. 
that you can't do this unless you're really prepared to sacrifice and compromise. Yeah, he used the you, word compromise. He's a boyfriend, sacrifice, you know. And I also profoundly believe, and uh, quite a lot of people I interviewed over the years also believe that this idea that you must process your children in your image. My mother never believed it was her role to process. She was a very devout Muslim. But she always said, I leave it to you to decide. I'm not going to tell you, but I'll take you to mosque with me, which I used to go as a child. And I came to faith very late because of that. And I married to somebody who was quite Christian when he was young, was a choir boy, and though his family wasn't, he's Church of England. Um, and then I think um, Marxism took the place of Christ and kind of he never looked back. But um, so bringing up our child has been very interesting, though sometimes difficult. Do you have clashes? I mean, kind of family clashes. One of the things that came up in the clips was the fact that there are certain um, milestones in a child's life that may be marked by a particular religion. And if one half of your family is one religion and the other way, uh, the other half is another religion and they don't get invited, then that's quite difficult. Have you ever experienced that? Not family clashes in that way, but I do, I get really resentful that we do such big Christmas at home and when Eid comes and goes, it's so quiet and now that my own family's decimated really, my mum's dead and so on, that our children have no real sense of what that means or why it's important or, or to kind of celebrate. So we make a kind of really, I don't know, a valiant effort, you know, but it doesn't work. And I feel quite bad about that because I do feel that will end with me. But I, I, I pray with my daughter and, and she my, my son is more atheist than Dawkins. You know, he's my, I mean, he would burn the a whole of um, uh, religious belief down if he could. But, but our daughter is getting as much as we can give her, more, more from me than less so from um, her typical English father. But then she will make her own choices. And did you make a decision before? She, I can actually say, I just want to say that <laughs> Yasmin's daughter is over here, just in, in another room with the producers, and she's laughing her head off. I may bring you in in a minute, <laughs> and then you'll stop laughing. <laughs> But um, did you make a conscious decision before having children that you were going to... Did you discuss with your husband how you were going to bring up a child in a religious way? All I said to him was, I wanted a name that would tell people that part of her identity is from this background. Well, listen, I am going to bring her in. Yes, I'm going to bring you in. Come round. And before you come round, come on, come round. Don't be shy. I'm going to ask Martin. Martin, have you got any experience of this? Um, well, it's interesting just hearing you talk about it because you, I mean, it sounds such an obvious thing to realise that you mm. can't actually have both, can you? Because you think of all, you know, the inter-cultural um, sort of um, marriages that you know that work well and it's just a bonus, isn't it? You've got the best of, um, you know, I, I know um, two um, couples where it's an Anglo-Indian marriage and so they have the best of the Indian cultures, the best of the English ones. Um, and I'm sort of half in the back of my mind thinking, why well, can't you have both? But I suppose you can't really be half a Muslim and half a Christian, can you? I suppose it's not going to work. Um, you so can. you do have to. Well, can you do that? Yes, I wasn't because sure that's what our daughter is. She's oh, sitting she next is. to me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Come on, lean into my microphone and say hi. Hello. <laughs> okay, you have to introduce yourself. Name? I'm Layla. And how would you identify? Would you identify yourself as a particular religion or? Um, not really. I kind of think of myself as half and half at the moment. Um, I'm not really sure if I will make a decision about it. Um, at the moment, I'm almost 
more inclined to say neither rather than both um, <laughs> just because it's easier um, and it's quite difficult having because of obviously there's two religions in the family so um, choosing one over the other feels like choosing a parent over the other um, rather than a religion so um, yeah I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and in terms of actually the religious side of it is there, would you count yourself as a religious person I mean did you find do you find that you believe in either religion or believe in God from any of these uh, any of your experiences not really I don't really consider myself when people say are you religious I normally say not particularly um I think it's because I've had both sides um I kind of don't know which way to go so it's easier saying that I'm not religious at all well thank you very much you, are you going to go round round back to the producers bit where you feel safe now <laughs> okay say bye-bye bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your book because I know that mixed feelings is a kind of I mean do you want to explain it's a kind of catch up isn't it well it was a, I, I, many years ago many years ago I, I co-wrote a book with Anne Montague um, another journalist uh, called The Colour of Love and they were just basically interviews with people who had been in mixed marriages of all sorts since the war um, and their experiences going back to then and to see whether things were better as as more of it was happening or whether old prejudices in all of that. Um, then a few years later, I did a follow-up book called um, Mixed Feelings. We went back to the original couple, some of them, and many, many of them hadn't made it through those nine years in between the books, which was very, very sad. Hadn't. Hadn't. Um, and the f- mixed faith ones um, that we talked to had kind of because of the politics, I think, because politics has changed so much. Yeah, I think, I think um, that's a very big. It, it became impossible. I mean, I remember one woman saying it was okay before when I, I as a Muslim, had a non-Muslim husband who was Christian, but it's not possible anymore because of George Bush. It's the holidays. You've stuffed the car with bags, food, kids, toys, pets, petrol and family pack of sweets. Everyone's had a wee, you've set the sat-nav and off you go. Only to hit roadworks at the end of your road, a traffic jam on the motorway and a car crash of personalities in the back seat. Are there any strategies to overcoming the problem of kids and long car journeys? This summer I'll be travelling through France in the car with my two children, aged 12 and 8. We'll be going from London to Folkestone on the Eurotunnel and then from Calais down to Limoges, which I think is about seven hours. We will be, I suspect, listening to a lot of capital radio uh, until it cuts out and then probably lots of music, CDs like Glee on a permanent loop. I'm a great believer in technology, so we had DVDs, uh, Nintendo DSs, iPhones. Lots of incentives, i.e. sweets. I've never had to resort to violence, but there have been occasions when they have been hitting each other in the back seat, and we've had to sort of stop the car and suggest that they both get out (laughs) at the next station. Uh, and that we leave them there. At Easter, actually, we went, drove down to Morzine near Geneva in France to go skiing, um, which was quite a long time in the car with three children in the back. And we did end up, when we arrived at Calais, 
think we were both hitting our children over the head with atlases because they were annoying us all so much by that point. On a really awful journey, the, we were on the motorway and there was a crash, so there was nowhere to go. So we were on, on the motorway for four hours. And my children at that time were two and five, and they were amazing and brilliant. And the only problem was me. I needed the loo, and in the end, there was nowhere for me to go, and I had to sadly use one of my son's nappies. Extremely embarrassing. So that's the only real major problem that's happened on on a journey it's been me so the kids have been all right really <laughs> so that's absolutely brilliant i thought she was going to say a bottle at least ah <laughs> oh, the nappy it can be used for everything <laughs> i'm going to turn to you martin i know you've had a few experiences that we, you can tell us about well, maybe you would like to get them, off your you chest. get them off your chest well i can't believe listening to those clips i mean people are, I, I was thinking when you said we'll talk about long journeys i'm thinking two hours maybe you know to <laughs> bath or somewhere people are heading off to morzine in the south of france you know that's a long journey for an adult isn't it you know yeah. 12 hours 16 hours i mean they're absolutely crazy yes um so i you know that's just sort of madness but i think it sort of breaks down you need to sort of you know you need to attack it you have to have a campaign and you need to have a military strategy Break it down. And I think for me, when my, I've got three children and they're of differing ages, so we can't even agree on a radio station that How we can all listen they? to. Uh, 15, 13 and 8. Yeah. So, we have all, so we have the fighting. Well, that's, that's, that's probably fighting to deal with, boredom, nausea and comfort breaks. Mm. boredom kicks in almost instantly um and we used to sort of think well we'll all sing songs and things like that but then one of those people talked about technology but technology brings its own problems because the older daughter who's actually quite good fun in her car and was get them all singing and things like that she now just clicks in the ipod and that's her gone so although that's good it means we don't you know we're sort of singing she's telling us to shut up stop singing i'm trying to listen to this probably she's probably listening to the podcast of this family show you know <laughs> can't hear about these mixed marriages and um the, um, so the, but then I think nausea is the worst because that's, yeah. sort of, that's really when the sort of problems start. I mean, the best, um, the best sort of vomit straw we had was when we only had one and she was in the middle seat. And we were on a long drive and she suddenly had this dreadful projectile vomiting and actually went all over, sort of bit over our shoulders, also it's like a sort of torrent all oh. over the inside of the windscreen. <laughs> And, um, and there are actually, no vomit windscreen there's wipers. There's no windscreen. It was actually dripping off the rear view mirror, you know, <laughs> sort of the gear stick and things like that. And then we made the worst tactical decision we've ever made because we thought we were only about half an hour from my mum. It wasn't even a long journey. We were only about half an hour from my mum's. And we just thought, we'll just press on, you know, because <laughs> what are we going to do with the car? And, of course, it was just the longest half an hour. And I, we actually had sort of sticky steering wheel and sort of, you know, Oh, and you're kind of clear your hand yeah, through it you just know. so you can see. Oh, that is terrible. Nice. And then just as we thought, it was sort of, you know, we got there and we thought, oh, thank God we made it. My mum came out, you know, to help. And obviously poor old Libby had had a, something awful wrong with her and she was sitting in the car seat and all the jiggling and things like that. She'd obviously had all gone to the other end as well. And then it had worked up her back and so she had a sort of brown <laughs> collar. Did she have to so, sell the car? And we were like, hi, <laughs> granny, granny, there's the baby, you yeah, know, yeah, love. poo she, and we, vomit and, you this know, This is for awful. you. <laughs> but that's bad. But I think that, that we did, I was trying to think back and most of the journeys are just horrific. But we, years ago, we were driving from the south of France back to England and we thought we'd treat ourselves and we hired a sort of better car than the crappiest, cheapest car you could hire. And there was some sort of mix-up. So they ended up giving us a wildly good car which was one of those big kind of grand cries, more like mm. a kind of minibus. And it had um, 
DVDs on the back seats and things like that, and a sort of aisle down the middle. So there was no fighting over seats. Um, my wife was like a kind of air hostess going up and down the aisle, <laughs> handing out bits of baguette and, you know, Haribos and things like that. And they were all able to watch sort of screens. And we did sort of eight hours, I don't think, with any fighting or anything, you know. So, um, so the only maybe way of money is having is, loads you know. of money. Is but I've answer. met people who the, the kids are so bad that he's driven to an airport. They've gone past a sign for an airport. They're driving back across Europe. He's, they've gone into the airport. I mean, obviously, I have more money to do this. And the wife and children have got out. To, and they've literally just caught a single flight back to England so that he could then drive home on his own. You it's know, always Fennigan to break. drug them with. Drug them. <laughs> <laughs> I have <laughs> used drug that yourself, in my yeah. life once um, or twice. Exactly. Shove them full of Xanax yeah. and they won't complain. And driving through the night, I mean, it sounds horrific, but actually, you know, if they all go to sleep, you know, you can sit and listen to the radio. It's, it's quite a good way and you've got empty roads. And yep. it is, there are ways around it. But I think, you know, sweeties are probably the, um, the single thing you should never be without. Angie Lamar is a comedian, actress, writer and broadcaster. She was the first ever British black female comic to sell out a show in the West End. Her show, Funny Black Women on the Edge, was an Edinburgh sellout and she's returning to the festival this year with Do You Know Where Your Daughter Is? A hard-hitting topical drama focused on the tensions of mother-daughter relationships. Here's her family playlist. My first track is um, Rivers of Babylon by Boney M. Big hit when I was a kid, I have to say. Absolutely. I mean, for me, that was a special song because I was raised in the church and we weren't allowed to listen to songs that weren't gospel. Even with our little transistor radio, we just had to make sure that we kept the top 10 down. So when By the Rivers of, um, Rivers of Babylon came out, it was almost as though, oh my God, it's a song that we like. It's actually in the charts and it talks about God in an indirect way, mum. So she allowed us to play it. So it was played over and over and over. And she kind of felt it was wrong, but she knew it was OK. So that was like the first song that I felt, oh, freedom at last. By the rivers of Babylon, there we actually based on a psalm wasn't it so there's no arguing against it it's definitely godly although some of his outfits were less than godly weren't they he wore little tight pants and and quite slashed to the navel outfits didn't he and the afro because everyone was after the afro and he was gorgeous everybody fancied him he was like this big afro and by the rivers and you thought <laughs> oh it's wonderful to be in church <laughs> Suddenly it all makes okay, sense. It all makes sense. And was, was your mum quite strict then when you were young? My mum's evangelist and my dad was a deacon. So we were raised Pentecostal. So it was church every Sunday in the evening. But my dad wasn't always a Christian. My dad used to actually play cricket on a Sunday when he wasn't a Christian. And so that was a great time for us. Not that I didn't wish he wasn't a Christian, but it was almost as though every Sunday afternoon after Sunday school, we didn't have to stay for the whole church because my dad would come and pick us up and say, you come in cricket with me. And I remember looking back at my friends saying, you've got to stay till the preacher comes on. I'm off to cricket. And then he became a Christian and that was it. It was over. No more cricket. 
<laughs> oh no! So then you had to stay the whole day. The whole day. And church used to start at eleven till about three o'clock, and that's a long time. I got to about sixteen, and I thought, I think I've done church now. And I couldn't wear lipstick. I couldn't wear trousers. It was really strict. I used to sneak to school and put my trousers on under my skirt and roll it up. And I remember coming home one day, and I hadn't rolled it up. And I was trying to keep my mum's, you know, uh, eye contact, like, look at me, don't look down. Cause you'll see, <laughs> look at my legs. <laughs> you'll see my brother's trousers. <laughs> okay, and what's your second track? My second track is um, Best of Best of My Love, uh, emotions, by emotions, by The Emotions. Are we sing it? Uh, best of my love. <laughs> I, can mime, singing, not me. <laughs> I can mime great, you know, I can do all three, three voices. But this song was my first record that I ever bought. And it, do you remember those uh, Fidelity tra- um hi-fi systems little chunk 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 well my parents bought me that and I remember thinking oh we ain't got no records ain't got no records and we had a summer fair at school so I went down there my mum and brothers and that and I'm like oh my god I've got got to get records got to get records and then when I picked up I thought oh my god emotions best of my life went home and played it and played it and played it I know the beat the synthesize I even know the thought moments between the songs it just was one of those songs that just live you know made you feel like everything's wonderful again as soon as you hear you're up So at this point, were you allowed to listen to that kind of music then? How come they relaxed? My parents were very, had a big problem with me at school because I actually got kicked out of school quite young because I'm severely dyslexic, didn't know till I left school. But every time my teachers walked in with a book, I think they're going to pick on me. You know, I've been a good child and the only problem I had was the actual um, school. So it was almost like a trade. She's not, she's not going to go off and become this terrible young lady. She has gone by the rules. So she can have a little space. So there I had the music, I had the, in my room, play my songs. And I was at peace because i got four older brothers. And you want to get away. Yeah. You want to get away. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you know. Did they, they must have had music though, if you had four older brothers. Did they not have records of their own? Oh yeah, they could rebel. They could do that. So I was always like the Earth, Wind and Fire. And all the tracks from back in the day, because my brother on his little pioneer system used to just be playing songs. But he was okay because he was playing Rent. So his room was there and he could be a man. And it's like, can I come in and listen to your music? No, you can't. And what's your final track? Um, Ordinary People by John Legend. Okay. And uh, why do you like this one so much? You know, it's just so simple and clear. It's like just being ordinary is actually okay. And my parents have always taught me to help people. They've got a thing that they were always letting people in the house stay. You'd come home and you'd think, why are they sleeping on the sofa? And my mum would go to this long story about their family and think, okay, let's get another plate. And so that was something that was the way she was. And I've picked that up too. And I think that whole loving people, being around people, no matter who they are, what background, culture, that's how we were raised. And I think it's so important just to be ordinary because at the end of the day, that's what you want people around you who are just ordinary, no expectations of you. And I really enjoyed that. That's why I love this song. I know I misbehaved and you've made your mistakes And we both still got room left to grow 
And though love sometimes hurts, I still put you first And we'll make this thing work But I think we should take it slow We're just ordinary people We don't know which way to go Speaking of relationships between parents and, and children, you've got a play in Edinburgh, haven't you, about the relationship between mother and a daughter. Do you want to talk, tell us about that? Yeah, that's called Do You Know Where Your Daughter Is? And um, um, when I was working on Choice, we got a caller um, and she said to me that she had been having sex with her boyfriend and then when he finished, four other boys came in oh, and okay. had sex with her. And they were very nice to her and her boyfriend stood there and just watched. And she said to me, is that rape? And I thought, yes, it is rape. And it really concerned that she couldn't work it out because they were being so nice. And I thought, there's a mother out there shopping that doesn't know that her daughter has called me. And I wanted to say, do you know your daughter is, everybody? So this play really is to say, look, this might not be your daughter, but there are issues here that we need to discuss. And mothers have come to me and written to me and said, I finished watching your play and I was in the car with my daughter for four hours talking because I needed to find out where they're at. And one woman said that her daughter didn't want to talk to her anymore. This play was their final goodbye. And they watched the play and she wrote me back and she said, my daughter's in university, thank you. And you can see Angie Lamar's show, Do You Know Where Your Daughter Is, at this summer's Edinburgh Festival. And that's all for this month's family podcast. My thanks to my brilliant, fantastic studio guests, Yasmin Alibi-Brown, to Martin Love, to Angie Lamar, and of course to Layla. And before you set off on your well-earned holiday, don't forget to check out the Guardian's Ace Family section for more tried and tested solutions to the endless conundrum that is modern family life. From me, Miranda Sawyer, and my producer, Sarah Peters, it's goodbye. In today's instalment of The Children's Guide to Bringing Up Parents, brought to you by JUMP, the savings fund for children. We're looking at learning to plan for the future. What's this about, Alexander? Well, Becky, on the whole, parents are rubbish at this. They just live in the present, failing to realise that if my sports kit isn't washed by Wednesday morning, it's bound to be a crisis. The same with my sparkly top on Saturday evenings. How do you help them develop their skills? Help them understand that planning ahead is in their interest too. Take Jump, the savings fund for children. Put a little money into it regularly over the years and then, later on, when there are big bills to pay for first cars, first flats, going to uni... We'll still be able to cash in our savings and spend it all on clothes. You'll never sell it to them like that, Bex. Find out more about JUMP, the savings fund for children, at www.jumpsavings.com. As JUMP is an equity investment in Witten Investment Trust, PLC... Please remember that past performance is not a guide to future performance, and the value of your shares and the income from them can rise and fall, so you may not get back the amount originally invested. Issued and approved by Witten Investment Services Limited, registered in England number 5272533 of 201 Bishopsgate, London, EC2M3AE. Witten Investment Services Limited provides investment products and services and is authorised and regulated by the Financial Services Authority. Calls may be recorded for our mutual protection and to improve customer service.